The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In the dimly lit cabin, the tall, muscular man stared at the dark-skinned figure in the painting intensely. Tell me about this man, he asked without turning. Who? Sinke? His comrade, Robert Purvis, replied. Yes, tell me about this Sinke, the man said, eyes still fixed on the image. As Purvis, the famous abolitionist, began to tell the tale of Sinke and the mutiny on the Amistad, a plan started to form in the mind of Madison Washington. He would leave the safety of Canada and return to Virginia and take back his wife Susan from the beasts who held her captive, and nothing would stop him. This is King Caruso, the Black History Buff, and welcome to the Black History Buff podcast. Each episode will be going through another chapter from Black History and showcasing one of the amazing characters from Black History. You can find us on Instagram at blackhistorybuff777 and at bhbmedia777, also on Instagram. So please kick back, relax, and enjoy today's show. This is the story of Madison Washington and the mutiny on the Brig Creole. Not much is known about Madison Washington's life. Most of what we know about this heroic man came from the writings of Frederick Douglass and pieced together accounts from articles written at the time. According to legend, Madison was an enslaved African born in Virginia, known for his ebony-coloured skin chiselled African features and keen intellect, Madison longed for freedom, and the embers of discontentment grew into a burning desire for emancipation when, age 20, he met his wife-to-be, Susan. With the aim of securing liberty before becoming married, the pair plotted their escape. Disaster struck when their plans were discovered. To avoid Susan being moved to a separate plantation, the couple agreed that Madison should escape in the hopes that he could one day return and secure her freedom. Madison hid out in nearby woods for months, trying to find other men who also desired freedom, attempting to rise up a rebellion, but was unable to galvanise any of the men he came across into action. Eventually, the pair, still in contact, agreed that Madison should flee to Canada, secure employment and earn enough money to return and buy back her freedom. Reluctantly, Madison made the treacherous journey to Canada, where he eventually secured work in a local farm. Though safe and comfortable, his lowly wage meant it would take a minimum of five years before he earned enough to purchase the liberty of his wife. The thought of being away from his love for this length of time 
without his protection and under the constant fear of being moved to another plantation, tormented Madison and eventually compelled him to make the journey back to Virginia to attempt a rescue mission. While traveling, Madison equipped himself with files, saws and other implements and hid them in his clothing in case he became captured and needed to escape. On entering Ohio, Madison met many of those whom he had seen on his journey to Canada and during each encounter, he was encouraged to give up his quest. And each time he refused saying, liberty is worth nothing to me while my wife is a slave. As Madison got nearer to the old farm, his former place of enslavement, he became more and more cautious and began to travel exclusively by night in the woods to avoid detection. When he finally arrived at the old farm, Madison meticulously mapped out the area and tried to obtain information about the location of his wife. One evening, he heard the nearby singing from a corn shucking and in the hope of gathering more information, snuck in unnoticed. Though thirsty and hungry, he avoided joining the festivities for fear of being recognised and instead stuck to the fringes quietly, piecing together stories from various men until he eventually had the location of his beloved Susan. She was still with her old master. On hearing this, Madison, tired, thirsty, hungry and desperate to see his wife, cast away all his previous planning and made a do-or-die bid to rescue Susan that same night. The following is my account of what took place. Madison climbed in through the half-open window at the back of the old farmhouse and stealthily made his way up the stairs towards the room of his beloved. He had done this so many times he moved more from muscle memory than conscious effort. At the end of the corridor, he saw the door that led to the room of his beloved. Memories of her hit him like a tidal wave taking his breath away and stopping him dead in his tracks. The taste of her lips, the smell of her skin, the sound of her laugh and... Help! There's a runaway in the house. Come quick, fellas. Before Madison could comprehend what was happening, five white men were already on him. He drew a club from inside his jacket and let muscle memory take over once again. Thwack! One man down. Thwack! Another hit the floor. The sound of hard wood against bone rang out as a third man crumpled to the ground. He rounded to strike the fourth when pain erupted from the back of his head. Dazed, he tried to turn towards the source of the agony and felt a searing sensation in his right shoulder. His legs buckled and blows began to rain down on him from all sides. Powerful arms gripped him from behind and began dragging him towards the stairs. With pain ripping through his body, vision clouded by his own blood, Madison looked up and saw her. Susan. He drew breath to call out her name and... Whack. Everything went black. Sometime later, Madison opened his eyes, head pounding, bleeding and in shackles. He could hear the jangling of chains, the galloping of horses, the creak of wood against wood and the slow, lurching, chugging noise of wheels as they turned on their axles. He looked around and saw 20 men, black men, Shackled as he was. Oh no. He groaned weakly before passing out again. The next time Madison awoke, he could smell salt in the air 
and feel the floor he was chained to roll gently underneath him. As the sound of waves hit his ears, realization struck him. He was on a slave ship. So this is the part in a normal podcast where there'd be an advert, but I don't actually have any sponsors. So instead, I'm going to ask that you like, share, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a review and preferably five stars. It makes a huge difference to people finding out about the podcast and getting a bit more exposure and getting our wonderful stories out there for more and more people to hear. I'm also going to ask that if you're really enjoying things, that you head over to my Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com. Search for Black History Buff and consider leaving a donation. Any amount left is welcome. On there, you'll find exclusive content, early access to episodes of the podcast, as well as exclusive and early access to blog posts and fact files as well, and any other goodies that I can think of to throw up on there. So please, take a minute, consider heading over to my Patreon, and please like, share, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now anyway, back to the show. The American transatlantic slave trade was outlawed in 1808, and though a small, illegal trade continued, the legal slave trade in the southern states boomed. By 1841, hundreds of slave ships had voyaged down the southeastern coast of North America and along the Gulf Coast to New Orleans. This was the route taken by the Brick Creole and a now-chained and prostrate Madison, Washington. The brig departed from Richmond, Virginia at midnight on Monday the 25th of October 1841 under the command of Captain Robert Entor. By the time the ship reached open water a week later, the vessel had accumulated a cargo of 135 human beings. As was usual on these domestic voyages, the enslaved were able to occupy the deck during the day. At night, however, the men and women were confined below, separated by stacks of box tobacco as a way of keeping the men and women apart. It was in this space that Madison found himself. Once allowed on deck, Madison quickly threw himself into all the tasks given to him on the ship. The crew, believing they had broken his spirit, readily increased his duties, eventually giving him the run of the vessel and a new role. Meanwhile, at night, he and three others Doc Ruffin, Elijah Morris, and Ben Blacksmith carefully mapped out the spaces on the vessel along with the routines of the ship's crew. Washington, in his new role of head cook for the slaves, was able to find allies amongst the captive men as he served them food. He used this opportunity to stash weapons and picks around the ship ready for any chance. On the ninth day of the voyage, the Creole encountered rough seas which made several of the men very sick. Because a number of the enslaved were ill, the overseers did not watch them correctly. And this created the perfect opportunity for Washington and his men to attack. Night came on. The first watch had just been summoned. The wind was blowing high when Madison succeeded in reaching the quarterdeck, followed by 18 others, all of whom sprang to different parts of the vessel, seizing whatever they could wield as weapons. The crew were nearly all on deck. Captain Ensign and Mr. Merrick, the first mate, were standing together, while Hewitt was seated on the companion smoking a cigar. 
the appearance of all the slaves at once and the loud and commanding attitude of their leader so completely surprised them that they completely froze. The officers were all shocked, but so swift were the motions of Madison and his crew that they had nearly lost command of the vessel before they even attempted to use their weapons. Huell, who had spent a significant portion of his life working on plantations as a, quote, Negro driver, knew what the defiant looks of these men meant and was the first to move. Drawing his old horse pistol from his coat, he fired at one of the men and killed him. The next moment, Huell lay dead on the deck. Madison had struck him with an iron bar and the fight now began in earnest, with the passengers as well as the crew all taking part. Madison was in his element during battle and he took out all of his frustrations on the ship's crew, his slavery, separation from his wife, his recapture and the beating. He took it all out on the ship's men that night. He would be free that day or die. Merritt and Gifford, the first and second mates of the vessel, both attacked him at the same time. Both were stretched out on the deck with a single blow each. The sailors ran up the rigging for safety, and shortly after, the battle was won, and Madison Washington was the master of the Brig Creole. After his crew had covered the slaver's deck, Madison forbade the shedding of more blood and ordered those sailors to come down, which they did. A guard was placed over everyone except Merritt, who was retained to navigate the vessel. At first, they wished to travel to Liberia, but once realising that the ship did not have enough supplies to make the voyage, they forced Merritt to steer them towards the Bahamas on pain of death. All things now secure, and the white men in chains or under guard, Madison ordered that the shackles be removed from the enslaved men and women. The next morning, Captain Washington, as he was now called, ordered the cook to provide the best breakfast that the storeroom could furnish, intending to surprise his comrades and especially the females who he had not seen yet. What Madison didn't know is that his wife Susan, the woman he had risked life and liberty for, would be there to greet him at the breakfast table. Yes, that's right, his wife Susan was on the brig. The meeting of the hero and his beautiful wife, the tears of joy and the cheers that followed from the men can be better imagined than described. Thanks to his courage and boldness, Madison had not only gained his liberty and that of 134 others, but his dear Susan was now finally safe. So at this point, the story should be over, right? Madison had saved his wife, 135 slaves were now free. Roll credits. The end. Well, not quite. You see, Americans, in particular Southern Americans of that time, did not see black people of any kind as human. So for them, this rebellion was a bit like being kicked out of bed by your pet cat. A pet cat who also happened to tell you that, oh, by the way, I know you paid a lot of money for me at the cat shop, but yeah, I'm not your cat anymore, and you're welcome for me and my cat buddies deciding not to kill you. P.S. I'm off to go and live as a free cat with your English neighbour that you hate. Meow. <laughs> you see, what I'd failed to mention previously is that the British had abolished slavery in all its forms in 1833. 
So when Madison and his clever crew asked to be taken to the Bahamas, it wasn't because of its fabulous beaches and beautiful women. It was because they knew that the Bahamas was in British territory and that they'd be covered by British law. When the Creole landed in Nassau, Madison and his crew were actually uncertain if they would be welcomed or arrested, and neither were Ensign Gifford and his team. As boarding vessels approached the ship, the formerly enslaved threw their weapons overboard and began to laugh and joke as if nothing strange had happened on the ship. I can imagine the tension mounting as the first of the Bahamian soldiers came on board the Creole, both sides trying to work out how this encounter would go down. I can also imagine the look on the faces of Ensign and Co when they saw the shining black skin of the officers as they entered the ship. The big smiles they broke out into, heard the laughter, and then heard the cheers as they welcomed, and I quote, their brothers and sisters to the island. Seriously, in my mind, the scene looks more like a cookout than a steakout. Yeah, we have those in England too. Or as we call them, barbecues. Okay, so now we roll credits, right? Well... Not yet. There was the small matter of the man who had been killed on board. And because of that, Madison and 18 other men were arrested on charges of murder. Because a murder had been committed, a formal investigation had to commence. And Ensign and co used this time to hatch a plot to retake the vessel from the British. The plan was to take the ship by force and snatch as many slaves as they could grab along the way. The first stage of the plot was to obtain weapons. The plan never actually got to stage two because stage one proved to be a lot more challenging than they'd bargained for. What Ensign and co had not accounted for was the fact that the three blacks of the island had all been former slaves. Some had even arrived there from ships that had been wrecked only a few years earlier. So this Caribbean island, inhabited by former Jamaican, Haitian and American ex-slaves, simply refused to sell Ensign any weapons. In fact, they refused to sell them anything. When Ensign attempted to approach the whites living on the island, in a show of solidarity that we could do more of seeing today, they also refused to sell them anywhere. Defeated, Ensign did what any red-blooded American would do, and took his case to court, which was duly thrown out. The British ruling that the men had, and I quote, the revolutionary right to freedom, and dropped all charges of murder and piracy. And there we have it, folks. A runaway slave, a love story, a courthouse drama, and the real pirates of the Caribbean. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, actually, hang on. There's one last thing. Not all the slaves chose to take their freedom. Rachel Glover, a young girl named Mary, two other women and one of their sons chose to sail back with Ensign and his crew. We don't actually know why they chose to stay, but they may have returned in the hopes of being reunited with children, husbands and other family members. When writing this, I seriously considered leaving that part out but I think it helps to highlight the terrible choices that the institution of slavery forced on black women and shows just how powerful a mother's love can really be. 
So this particular show, I'm dedicating to my mum. She didn't have to choose between freedom and slavery, but as a single mother, she didn't have very many choices at all. And like many other amazing black women, she protected us, nurtured us, educated us, prayed for us and ensured that we wanted for nothing. Not time, not attention, and most certainly not love. So if you're listening to this, give your mum a call, or whoever you choose to call mum, and tell her you love her. Go on, do it now, give her a call. Alright, so finally, that's the end. That particular story of Madison Washington really stood out to me for a lot of reasons. Mainly because it's one of the few historical love stories that I've been able to find on my whole journey through black history. Now I know that they're out there, I know they exist, but for those who followed me on Instagram and followed me on my pages, you'll know that I'm sharing as I'm learning and I'm, and I'm, and I'm a bit of an investigator sniffing out the stories and seeing where they take me. It's all about the characters and the emotion and the chapters and the excitement. And this is the first, or one of the first love stories that I've come across. And I think what's spectacular about this one is the fact it shows the lengths that he went to to get his wife back. You know, he obtained his freedom and he elected to risk giving his freedom up to go and get his wife. He refused to give up. And I especially love the the true element of him being inspired by Cinque and the Amistad. I mean, the Amistad is the probably the most famous um, rebellion at sea. However, I, th- I, I believe it's 54 men were freed on the Amistad, as opposed to 135 men and women who were freed on the Brick Creole, the most successful slave rebellion of all time. And I think, apart from all the other wonderful things, the love story, the rebellion, um, the courthouse drama, the shows of solidarity that I saw in this story, One of the things that really stood out for me in this tale is how the role of being inspired by historical events can influence today's decision. It makes you wonder, if Madison had never seen that picture of Sinke, would he have even thought to stage rebellion at sea? The fact that Sinke had did it laid out the blueprint and the foundation for him to hatch his own plan and that for me is the beauty of studying history a lot of the time people look at history as just the dead past but for me where other people see uh, graves and, and old stories i see blueprints i see people who've done it before who've succeeded and who've laid out a map and a pattern that i can follow I go to my nine to five job every day and I call it the plantation. And you know what? My ancestors were on real plantations and they escaped. And they laid down the blueprint for me to escape. All pirates, yes, they rabbi, sold I to the merchant ships. 
minutes after day to guy from the bottomless pit but my hand was made strong by the end of the almighty we forward in this generation triumphantly won't you help to sing these songs of freedom cause all I ever have redemption songs redemption At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.